everybody, this is The Simpsons Show. I'm Robbie, with my co-host Matt, and we are here to talk about The Simpsons from the beginning. Matt, how are you? I am fantastic. This is uh, my uh, favorite band of the 90s showing up in this one, yeah. NSYNC? Yes, of course. I mean, and they were the best boy band, objectively. Mmm, I don't know, Backstreet Boys... Uh, the Backstreet Boys wish they could have been as good as NSYNC. Uh, NSYNC has, obviously... Justin Timberlake in him, and they he went on to do, be much better than either of those of the bands. But I'm not quite sure if NSYNC's NSYNC might have a higher high, but I think Backstreet's Boy entire catalog is a little bit stronger. Well, yeah, because the Backstreet Boys were a little they were basically the original, so that they peaked really early and then just went downhill off the cliff. Whereas NSYNC had more of a slow burn. What about? I mean, I don't call them. They're not. I mean, they're original, like late '90s boy band. But there's also you that's know, true. When boy bands were big, I mean, boy bands are always very big. But I feel like the late '90s was the period where they crested and just took over everything. I think New Kids on the Block did a little. I want to say that at their peak, they were higher than either Backstreet Boys or NSYNC. You think so? I, guess I we'll mean, look it out. Uh, all right, guys, this is the boy band podcast. We're gonna compare <laughs> <laughs> some things. Yes, not much else to talk about in this episode. Uh, hi, guys. We are brought to you by supporters on Patreon. You can support us by going to patreon.com slash The Simpsons Show for only $2 a month to gain access to all of our bonus content. Help us keep the lights on. We have a couple people to thank, Matt. Ooh, yeah. Uh, hopefully, I'm gonna try and do this name justice. Emily Henault. Or Hinault? Hinault? I don't know if that's if I'm that's I'm supposed to do that the French way. Hinault? Either way. Thank you, Emily. Thank you. And thank you, Phil. Phil Hogan. Thank you, Phil. Thank you, Phil. This week's episode is New Kid New Kids on the Blech. Episode C A B F twelve, originally aired February twenty fifth, two thousand and one, written by Tim Long, directed by Stephen Dean Moore. Was viewed by 18.1 million viewers with a 9.7 rating and a 15 share, making it the top-rated animated show of the week. Whatever that means. We had to compare this to something favorably, so we went just animated shows. I mean, it's that's like King of the Hill, Family Guy at that point, South Park. Those are the top contenders. It did better than those. That's true. Something. Which was a heavy thing then. Uh, mm, mm. I don't know. I feel like this is where the, the Family Guy hit its peak popularity before being canceled. I thought it wasn't ever that popular, which is why it got canceled. It was in the zeitgeist, let's say. Futurama. Futurama as well was running. It was, True. Um, which was good, but I wasn't all, any ever got super good ratings. The chalkboard gag. I will not buy a presidential pardon, which is referencing Bill Clinton pardoning some people. And this was in the early 2000s, right? So, okay, maybe a few uh, years out of date? I, I mean, this is, no, this is, he, he would have he been, this is right? No, he would have been just, he would have just left office in 2001. February 20th, February 20, 2001, he would have left office. The election oh. would have been in November 2000. For some reason, I'm thinking we're, we're into like the 2003, 2004 era. All right, fair enough. Um. But hey, guess what, guys? Presidential pardon jokes, evergreen. I mean, depending <laughs> on how bad the president was, I'm pretty sure we still get Watergate jokes all the time. Secret is, man, they're all bad. Uh, the couch gag. The couch is outside a prison wall. Siren wails and searchlight moves as the Simpsons, dressed in striped prison jumpsuits, tunnel their way to the couch. It's not Yay, bad. It's, 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 it's fairly creative, and I'm surprised it's something they have not done by now. Yeah, exactly. Um, episode guest stars, NSYNC, all of them. I don't know all their names. Neither do I. I know one of them uh, used to go to the same trivia that I went to. 
It's true. Orlando boys. That's right. Um, episode begins. Whew, Matt. What's the matter, Robbie? Oh, my. <laughs> this episode begins with the, the most tangential of first acts. Uh, it makes no sense. I I mean, it settles into... I, I think I have to say this every time, but it settles into something that is, like, relatively stable for a Scully-year episode, where, like, everything we see is roughly about the same thing. You know, it's about Bart's boy band, mostly, after... Mostly. Mostly, after the beginning. But this beginning is insane to me. Like, it feels... It feels like the manatee joke that South Park did about Family Guy. It feels like they literally just had random words, Mad Libs, just throw it on the page. Because it starts with us getting, like, a newsreel video footage on television about great moments in Olympic history. Which, ultimately, has some terrible jokes in there. Well, of course, I mean. (laughs) So, they have the joke about the long jumper and he sets a new world record and he jumps out of the stadium. That's the best we can do. And the perspective is really bad. That's what always bugged me about the opening of this episode is like, that's, that's, that's not what that would look like. It's yeah. It's I, they're, they're really hacky and like, uh, I, whatever it does. I'm not even going to mention it. It's so like, it's just random insanity. So, we get this video and it ends with them talking about the old uh an Olympian who is the oldest ever to win the Olympics, win a gold, a medal or a gold medal at the I don't know if it's even actually true. But the uh, the oldest Olympian at 38, which is I'm fairly certain we've had older Olympians since then. But whatever, it doesn't actually matter because all this does is trying to inspire Homer to run a marathon. Because of his age. Like, my biggest problem with this opening is that there's two left turns in it. It's the first one is, oh, we're starting with Olympic history. And then it turns out that, oh, uh, you know, Homer wants to do it because, you know, he's the same age as the guy who won the oldest one. And so that's a left turn number one. And then left turn number two is, oh, then we get to the boy band thing. It's like, really, there should be one left turn, one one weird you know, shift. That's how we get into the plot at I, most. I, the fact I, that there's two here is just. Can I have none? Can we just? I mean, that would be ideal. But can I we, mean, we're talking about a Scully episode. Uh, can we just have Bart? Like, because uh, okay, because this is all getting to Bart. All of this, and it's luckily it's not long. That is the thing I can. That's why I can ultimately forgive it. It won't. It doesn't infuriate me as much as certain episodes because it's not like nine minutes. It's literally like three minutes of of idiocy instead of nine. Uh. uh which was that kill the alligator which episode has the right all that race car stuff going on uh that's the when maude dies um, oh that hair yeah that that was that is almost inexcusable how long that 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 part is but um this is nice and short so homer is running he decides he's gonna run a marathon even then has an inane argument with marge about it and homer decides he's gonna run we get a couple of marathon jokes, like Homer getting a first, second, third wind, and then he's very dehydrated, so he looks like Grandpa. Yep, that's a good joke. That's what happens. Your skin just goes into nothingness. It's fine, you know. It's all right. They've done that. They've They're done that. Ones. They've done that trick before, you know, with Homer facing various physical ailments, and it turns him into Abe. So I can. 
I can like appreciate just because it's almost a callback. Um, but ultimately Homer's terrible because yeah, they, <laughs> he's not in shape. Uh, they show poor comic book guy getting s- dressed as the flash getting stuck in a sewage, in a sewer drain sewer. What? I, I, okay. Um, but none of this matters. Well, of course good. not. None of this matters. None of this matters because we cut to the end of the marathon and there's two guys uh, trying to win. There's an Australian and a, a guy from Djibouti and they're neck and neck. And then Bart dresses up in a terrible costume that's supposed to make him look Italian. And he runs into the last second and wins, quote unquote. However, at the uh, the, the awards ceremony... It is revealed he's just a kid who cheated, and then he is saved by a dude in a car, and we meet. Yes, that's that's all it takes is a dude in a car to save Bart. Uh, yeah, and we f- we meet LT Smash for the first time. Who are you? Oh, you'll find out in due time. Well, it says here your name is LT Smash. The time has come. I'm LT Smash. For saving our son from that murderous mob. Well, thank you for letting me chill in your crib. And thank you for assuming we're hip. All right, now here's a 411. I'm a record producer, see? I'm starting a new boy band, and there's a place in it for Bart. My Bart? Oh, yeah. That stunt he pulled at the race shows me he's the bad boy I'm looking for. <laughs> now listen to me, Smash. We're not signing anything, unless it's a contract. Why do you want Bart? He's not much of a singer. Marge, it's not the singing that brings in the Sacagaweas. Bart's a rebel, and that's what I need for my new band, the Party Posse. Now hold on. I have some concerns. Please, Mom. My dream is to be a rock star. And my dream is to get rid of Bart. But... How many lives must you ruin? Oh, okay. So yes, that's that's where we're at. We're, we're Bart needs to be in a boy band because he's the bad boy. And this is how they get there. What? I feel like there, there could be much better ways of doing I, that. I, I, there's so many easier ways. Like, why is it? Why don't they just have an audition? Like, honestly, why is it this well, just yeah. an audition and all that we see all the boys in town? And for whatever reason, those the four we see are the ones that get picked. Uh, well, you see, because they needed to fill time with stupid jokes. An audition could I have? I I don't I don't know I don't know why. And okay, it really it, it's it stood out to me a little when I was watching the episode. But now when you isolate just the clips and you're not looking at it, LT Smash sounds a lot like Mo. And he does. I was trying to think of that actually. Right uh, when he was talking in your clip, there, I was like, he sounds kind of familiar. Uh, so I'm assuming we're talking, uh, you know, a an existing voice actor doing his voice. Yeah, Hank Azaria. Hank Azaria did this voice, and it's. I think we've mentioned this before, but it's at the point where, like, guys, you get more actors to do. We've heard of them do every permit. Hank Azaria has done hundreds of characters at this point. He can't just do a Charles Bronson voice for all of them. So maybe give someone else a job and have them do a, a voice for LT Smash. That's not just a slightly broified Mo. 
Well, Robbie, I don't know if you're aware of this, but uh, those people cost money, and uh, that would dip into the cocaine funds. That's I'm not. That's I don't. It's not. I I understand the the restraints they face because of having to continually pay their voice actors money, which they are worth. The show doesn't exist without them, but the show also stagnates because they don't want to pay more people more money. Yeah. Um, uh, we go to commercial. Six minutes and 14 seconds in, we go to act two. And when we come back, uh, we have Bart being introduced to the people he will be in his band with. And turns out, they're kind of familiar. Bart, I want you to meet and greet the other members of the party posse. He's smart, he's soulful, He's Millhouse. What up, G-Money? Next, he'll break your nose, your glasses, and your heart. Nelson. Wait, these are just guys from school. Who's next, Ralph Wiggum? Whee! I'm a pop sensation. And I'm the Mac Daddy behind such groups as New Kids in the Ditch and Boy Nudo. I'm gonna make you stars. Near, near, two, three, four, and thrust and grab yourself. Right there. Now let's go and flirt. You call that a flirt? I'm not melting. Okay. Your toods are fly and your threads are dope. All that's left is the singing. Party posse, we rule the earth. The greatest band since music's birth. Isn't this song a little boastful? No one told me there was going to be boasting. Just take it from the top. Party posse, we rule the earth. The greatest band since music's birth. Thank you, NASA. We love to sweat and we love to sing. We're real funky but not threatening. We're the best band in the world. But we'd give it all up for that special girl. You're my special girl. Special girl. You're my special So, yes, uh, I just want to give everyone a brief glimpse of what they sounded like naturally. And then with uh, the see, what is it called? Auto tune. It's not. It's called something else, but I cannot remember what it was anyway. Studio magic. Studio magic. Thank you. I don't know why I can't find that in our notes. Either way, the studio magic makes them sound like an actual boy band, uh, which uh, I think is supposed to be a dig at auto tune. Uh, but, you know, I, I mean, the, the they had I will all credit is due in this episode. There's a lot of singing in it and there's a lot of the there's three separate songs. There's this one. There's the drop the bomb and then the final the, the hitch song whatever yeah. that there's three se- whatever yeah whatever it is it i don't know what the title is but three separate songs and they're all like over 30 seconds of singing uh and they all sound like a boy band sounds like they really nailed what those songs sounded like at the time uh the guy whoever they i looked up all this people singing are not anyone. I think I didn't recognize any of the names. I think they're all studio musicians and studio singers and, and stuff like that, but they do a great job. Uh, I auto tune didn't like auto tune. Wasn't a thing like it is now back then. Yeah. Well, it was used a lot back then, but not in, in the ways that were so subtle. You wouldn't notice it. That's why I wondered if it was possible that uh, this was kind of a slightly subtle dig at the fact that this is practically everywhere. 
I mean, at the time, I think it was nowadays, I think it is assumed that a lot of not not of course, not everyone, but a lot of musicians and pop stars use heavy production and heavy use of autotune and other things like it to make their music sound better versus natural just singing ability and 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 practice. I think at the time this I mean obviously this is a dig at boy bands in general and and other pop music at the time there was I think a big blowback because it's it had been a few years since those bands had started, you know, and at the same time, you're getting Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera, and I think they're all kind of bundled in as the pop music of the day. And I think there was a blowback happening at the time about, oh, they don't actually sing. They're, it's all production. They don't know. They can't actually. They're not actually good singers. And I think this is just a kind of a a dig at like, oh, this is all fake. You know, there's nothing. This is nothing's authentic about this at all. And I think and now we just kind of assume that it's all made up. <laughs> Yeah, we we know it. Just we're basically buying the music of whoever makes it up the best. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I I think that's, but I think that's also the biggest challenge to this episode. Like you want to, I'll put aside like all the Scully plot nonsense that happens throughout the episode. You know, things that don't necessarily connective tissue. This episode doesn't have it. It's, it's just no, it's, no, it's, it's one of those ones that just lists from you know direction to direction for funny things yeah a thing happens and a thing happens and a thing happens and it i think it 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 clo- more closely resembles a good episode than a lot of scullier episodes i think the but the, the biggest challenge is boy bands are already like self-parody like it doesn't they do it to them like i don't need to see a band called the party posse to like, if I watch a, I could have watched Backstreet Boys in the late nineties. I could watch New Kids in the Block in the early nineties, the late eighties. Any at any any point along the way, uh, One Direction, any of the many boy bands that have existed over the years, I watch their videos. It is already ridiculous. It is a, it is a part of the it, like it is appealing to a very select audience. It doesn't try to be anything but itself, but it is automatically very ridiculous to begin with. So when they're, it's hard to make it to, to, to kind of walk the line where it's over the top, but still like believable as a boy band. Mm -hmm. So I, it's not that like, I think they do a good enough job, but it's not, I don't think it's saying anything that boy bands themselves don't already say just by existing. I think they do it well enough. Like they execute on like the parody, the, the parody aspects of the episode. I think it's probably the best part of the episode, but I don't think any of that stuff super like clever. Well, no, uh, I mean this whole episode, I would not call any of it clever uh, because it's essentially just uh, jumping on the whole boy band blowback thing. That's really all it is. Yeah, and I, 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 I can I think I. I can appreciate it mostly. I like it more than I remember it. I think I'll say that because I think I remember. I think the problem is when I first saw this, I was a young, I was like, you know, I was a teenager. I was in high school. I hated boy bands. I thought they were terrible. <laughs> and so this episode just made me go, I don't want to watch this. I don't like boy bands. Why do I want to see NSYNC? Why is NSYNC in my favorite show? Why is this happening? Yeah. 
And that's all, and it had nothing to do with the quality of the episode in general. It was more like, I don't like boy bands. I don't like NSYNC. I don't want to, I don't want to see this in my show. But the, my problems today are very different from my problems I had when I was 16 or whatever. Well, yes, that's true. Uh, when you're 16, you're, you're big into appearing tough and boy bands were not tough, despite the fact that they got all the girls. So yes, uh, at this point, uh, the group uh, decides that they're going to premiere at the elementary school. Uh, they basically pretend to be rebellious and say, oh, you know, your, pr- your principal doesn't want us to be here. And of course, Skinner rebuts this, say, no, he likes their inoffensive brand of pop music or whatever he says. Um, and of course, uh, even LT Smash, once the group starts singing, it's like, and you stood in their way. And Skinner just gets indignant, which I really enjoy indignant Skinner. Uh, it's one of the gags that I feel like works really well with his character. And it is, it's fairly easy to do and is totally in character. So when they include one, I'm like, okay, good. You actually, it was easy, but at least you kept it to, you know, who Skinner is. So, the show uh, goes fairly well at, at the school. Uh, nothing really major happens. But afterwards, the group meets what is essentially at this point their idols. Yo, dudes! Awesome show! Oh, it's in sync! Word. What brings you to Springfield? We saw your band formation notice in the paper. Really? You saw our BFN? I can't believe I'm meeting Millhouse. Word. <laughs> So anyway, we brought you this wicked gift basket. Stubble glitter, a crowd taser. Crowd taser? Yeah, it's perfect for getting through the fans to your limousine. Yo! Dudes, we gotta go. Our clothes are getting a little out of date. To the Bandana Republic. Word. Now we gotta send them a basket. So yes, uh, this is our introduction to InSync actually in the episode, uh jokes about you know where they shop for their clothes and how often they have to change because you know fashion moves so quickly um so really simple i just wanted to include the fact that you know insync is in the episode i will i will say that matt that apparently <laughs> uh they included justin timberlake saying the word word so many times is because he didn't want to record it so that showed him <laughs> when yeah. they used it three times um I didn't bring this up, but why these boys? Why those particular, like, yeah, Ralph and Yeah, why did, Why is it Nelson? That's the other thing I really bothers me that we don't get an audition scene, is why would on earth, would anyone pick Millhouse for a boy band? Ralph, I get it. He's the, he's the dumb one. Nelson, I get it. He's the tough one. Millhouse? He's the sweet one, you know. He he's the one the moms love. That be, uh, he's the dud. <laughs> we, we, we've got. <laughs> he's the dud. Why would you? I if I'm drafting a boy band from the boys of Springfield, Millhouse isn't in my top 100. I'm picking. I'll pick Lisa before I pick Millhouse. Wow, that is that is really saying something about your boy band. Uh, I, I would agree. I just I feel like they're like, oh, Bart has to be in a boy band. Who else is going to be in it? Well, Millhouse, obviously, he's the sidekick. Uh, give me a do your work, do your homework, man. Come on, do, show me why we just we don't get seen. Why it's just LZ Smash going? Hey, it's Nelson. He's tough. Hey, it's Millhouse. He's smart. No, he's not. Millhouse is dumb. He's worse. He's dumber than Bart. 
See, I feel like you're right. If they give him an audition scene where, oh, it turns out that Millhouse has this incredibly angelic, high pitched voice. Like, oh, okay. You well, know, he's there, there, you know. He's inexplicably uh, good at dancing, stuff. like chore- choreography or something. Like, give me a reason. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I forgot to mention that earlier. It's another thing that sticks in my craw. Your craw. Uh-huh. Anyway, moving on. Did NSYNC all, NSYNC all over the placement? They insynced all over. I do. I do. Uh, I also like the the way they intro insync. The way they show up to their own music and dance their way and dance their dance their way in. Yes, that's very good. Yeah. So uh, next up, for some reason, the family's watching music videos, which they don't say it's MTV, but it's pretty much MTV. Uh, And we get a joke about VJs and their uselessness, which they're right. But you know, at this point, we had all known that for a decade. Well, Um, anyway, what's I don't what what are they watching, Matt? Some kind of music video show. That's on, on television? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's strange. I know. They don't have it on television anymore, uh, except for pop-up video. I think still has a place on you know, late nights on VH1. But, you know, uh, it used to be they would play music video on TV during the day. It's weird, I know, but I don't, it's a I thing they used to do. Yeah, that's... Man, it's like a, we're like aliens visiting Earth. And we're like, wow, look at that weird artifact. I don't even understand it. Music videos well, on television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yes. Anyway, now that Robbie has made us all feel like old people, uh, (laughs) we get to see the first music video, The Party Posse. Uh, That's P-squared for all of you cool kids out there. And uh, it's basically a weird thing where they're riding on bombs and parachuting into places. And there's uh, girls in, you know, belly dancer outfits. And they're just they're singing this weird phrase over and over again, like the, the chorus and Everyone is convinced that it doesn't mean anything, but Lisa, Lisa's got an inkling about something. Yvonne et, et Miage, they keep saying that. Wait, what was that? Uncle Sam, let me play this backwards. Join the Navy. Join the Navy. <gasps> They're recruiting people with subliminal messages. Otto, what are you doing? I don't know. I just got an urge to join the Navy. You're being brainwashed. Yeah, probably. Ivanette Niage. So, yes, uh... But Lisa, aren't we all being brainwashed all the time? It's called advertising. But Lisa is very concerned about this, and uh, there we go to commercial before we find out what she's going to do about it. I I will say that the aside from the terrible course, "Drop the Bomb" is a pretty good song. I actually like it. Well, it's true. It's it's, it's very uh, very smooth. But the, I, I that's my other another another. I want to say that's my other. It's another bone of contention is it. Even net miage is really that's what we're doing. Like that's the, you can just. I don't think they needed that to make it like right. You could just keep the subtle subliminal messaging thing and not have even net miage and like why? Well, because they know people are going to listen to it backwards, Robbie. It's just like records in the eighties. That's that happened well before the eighties, Matt. That was people are doing that in the sixties and earlier. Sure. Whatever the, the 80s was when they had the whole satanic panic and when they were, you know, Matt, they, blaming they, that they blame that they did the same thing with the Beatles. Beatles. 
I'm serious. They they in the I know, late I know. 60s. Just, they they the were also the band ever and said they were a demonic eh, influence. Like, come on. There's there's wussier bands than the Beatles. Um they were edgy yeah, in the but... late they were edgy in at in their own time period, Matt. And you gotta you gotta frame things correctly. That I know, I know. The, the time period the Beatles first came out, the Ballad of the Green Beret was number one on the on the charts. All right, man, music was wussy in the sixties. I mean, that's what happens when we come back from commercial. It's Act Three. We're thirteen and thirteen minutes in to the episode. Uh, we have Lisa confronting LT Smash about the the music that the Party Posse is making. The government's putting subliminal messages in your videos. Subliminal messages? Do you have any idea how insane that sounds? Is that a Navy tattoo? A Navy tattoo? Do you have any idea how insane that sounds? (gasps) Lieutenant Smash! Yeah, that's right. Lieutenant L.T. Smash. A wig! But, but your pant legs! Ugh, how could you soil the good name of Star Blitz Promotions? Oh, come on, Lisa. We've always used pop stars to recruit people. Going back to Elvis. Then there was Sergeant Peppers, the Captain and Tennille, and the Kiss Army. But you have recruiting ads on TV. Why do you need subliminal messages? Uh, it's a three-pronged attack. Subliminal, liminal, and superliminal. Superliminal? I'll show you. Hey, you! Join the Navy! Uh, yeah, all right. I'm in. Well, now that you know, Lisa, I'm afraid I can't let you leave. Oh. (laughs) That last bit is uh, one of the best jokes in the episode. I agree. I just don't... sad, but it is. I mean, I I don't know... I... Matt, I think I, I don't. I've just, I've just been. I'm so fed up with this, the loosey goosey plotting. Where it's just like, well, why does she go? Why on earth would Lisa? See, that's the it, like at any moment you start thinking about it, it just falls apart. Because why on earth would Lisa? Who's smart enough to realize that there are subliminal messaging and all that, like all this stuff's in these songs. She's not smart enough to realize that the man who put the group together is orchestrating all of this. She I has mean, to. She has to see t- navy tattoos. That is the thing that that's the straw that breaks the camel's back. I guess so. It doesn't. It's just like any level of examination. The plot makes no sense whatsoever. But whatever. Uh, We're here for the jokes, Robbie, not for plots making sense. Who's we? You got a mouse in your pocket? Uh, yep. What's his name? Oh, I mean, he's full of catnip. He's not an actual mouse. And uh. Bertrand. <laughs> what? I would have... Sergeant Squeaks would have been my go-to. Um, Y'all. So now we are... Now we cut from this scene to a concert on an aircraft carrier. And the... That's subtle. <laughs> Matt. If again, if you want subtly, you're in the wrong place, and that's <laughs> and that is a thing that is just I appreciate it. You know, I like subtlety from time to time, and I think also this I don't know. It's just this episode's not quite. I think it's crazy in all the wrong ways. It it's a, yeah. it's a little t- too much of a boy for crazy town, a little bit too crazy for boys town. 
I think that's <laughs> ultimately good. what I, I like that. Ultimately, what this episode is to me, you know, it's it's not quite insane enough to be like that weird Scully charm where he could manage to make a couple episodes reasonable because they're insane, so insane and so absurd. Like I think this episode would have that, except uh, well, uh, the really problematic things now in the year twenty nineteen at the end of this episode. So they go to the aircraft carrier. There's a concert in an aircraft carrier. We get a song. We get uh, uh, the song about uh, in, in joining the Navy again, basically. Had a girl in every port from here to Barcelona. But now I'm docked in Springfield and girl, I'm gonna phone ya. I like the song. Everybody ball walk. I don't I I like the song. I like all the songs in the episode. They're my favorite part. Uh, by far. They're the best part of this episode. Um so at this point we see uh L- Lieutenant Smash. We have him having hallucinations about hippies attacking. Then we see his superior officer show up. And shut down the party posse. The new administration is shutting down Project Boy Band. Shutting it down? Permission to say that's crazy, sir. You won't say it's crazy when you see next week's issue of Mad Magazine. Oh, dear God. When this satirical bombshell hits the stands tomorrow, your band will have as much recruiting power as a wax apple. I don't follow, sir. It's over, LT. Let's march all day and clean the trees all night. Don't bust me down. Let's re-up tonight. Let's re-up tonight. I'm out of here. You fool. Look what you've done. Now it's my turn. Don't do it, LT. You leave me no choice. And that's when LT goes crazy. Yeah, so they, <laughs> I, I don't, rem- I didn't remember any of this, Matt, at all. Any of this. After really? The, at this this is what I the most about this episode. I, I don't remember any of this. I remember, I, I remember the join the Navy. I remember the propaganda. I remember the, the, the subliminal messaging. I remember the boy bands. I remember NSYNC. I don't remember the, everything that happens after this point, which is, yeah, LT, L, Lieutenant Smash goes crazy. Because they're canceling his, setting down his program, turns on, takes control of the aircraft carrier. One man takes control of an entire aircraft carrier. Well, of course, don't you know that technology is so advanced now that one person can drive one of those very easily. One man, I'm going to say it. One, I'm, I'm, I'll say it another time. One man takes control of an entire aircraft carrier, and then he has boys load up missiles. 
into some weapons, some, I'm, I'm, and then they attack New York City and blow up Mad Magazine because it's Mad's fault that all this is getting shut down. Of course, because of the spoofing and all. Because of the spoofing. I. It's not this episode's fault that it happens seven months before 9-11, and it features people Oof. destroying New York City. <laughs> As a joke, well, just a Mad Magazine building. That's not you know a classic historic part yeah, of New York, all, is it? It does. I mean, I don't know. It, it's not. Or, that's not a real thing. There aren't. Hey, I. Hey, guys. I am well aware there is no actual tower in New York City that has Alfred E. Newman's fate head on the top of it. However, it is a tower getting destroyed in New York City. Uh, and also, we did not mention during the drop the bomb sequence the many. Iraq war references again with the Iraq war references, which is funny because this is before the second Iraq war had started. This is before the second Iraq war. This is still, I guess, referencing tension. I mean, it's not, yeah, there's always been problems in the Middle East, uh, and, and tension between groups of people there, but it, it's not funny. <laughs> I'm not going to laugh at it. I don't, I, I, I don't think in the best of times, I don't think buildings getting blown up are hilarious. And directly referencing people attacking New York City and destroying towers, I can't laugh at it. I'm sorry. I'm not gonna, not gonna laugh at it. And I, it's not, the, and that is not the episode's fault, really. I mean, I would say that they probably shouldn't structure episodes around destruction of property, and and also definitely not the destruction of a major city's t- like buildings. But th- th- that's. That's what happens. LT destroys a, the Mad Magazine Tower. Everyone's fine somehow, and then uh, nothing else matters because Ensign shows up, and that's how the episode ends. Yep. <laughs> well, boys, the party posse is over, but at least I saved you from a public spoofing. Oh man, we could have been on the cover of Mad. They called me Smelson. Smelson, it's funny because you smell. (laughs) Smelson, I could have thought of that. Sure, you could have. Off you go now. You know, we've had a lot of fun tonight at the expense of the U.S. Navy. But they're out there every day protecting us from Godzilla. And don't forget pirates and jellyfish. Those whack invertebrates will sting you old school. So check out the Navy for a two- or a four-year hitch. We signed J.C. up yesterday. What? No! Poor J.C. Then all the horrible things happened to him. <laughs> I mean, I... So what did... What happened, Matt, in this episode? Uh, Bart joined a boy band that was uh, attempting to make people join the uh, Navy. And uh, that program got shut down because they were going to get spooked. And then they blew up a mad magazine. Yep. And then the guy got arrested and there's no boy band. Right. I mean, why, why could you possibly be questioning what's happening here? Okay, so... At the end of Act One, Act and sorry, end of Act Two, Act One and Act Two, I think, are completely are are serviceable and work. Act Three is a mess and makes no sense. Stop me if you've heard this one before. What? Act Three, like okay, end of Act Two. Lisa has found that 
that the party posse is a front for subliminal messaging, trying to get people to join the Navy. And then we we would I, I would imagine that the rest of the episode is Lisa trying to stop this from happening, or at least trying to let Bart know that this is what is happening, and ultimately deciding if this is what uh, something he wants to be a part of. But no one in the family, no one even, not even Matt, not even a main, uh, even uh, not even a named character from the show that happened before this episode affects the plot. I mean, are you surprised at that? I, I mean, I, I feel like this was the golden age of random, you know, not not so much guest stars, but extra characters who basically run the plot. I mean, uh, the one we had recently with Marge and the Prisoner uh, that Michael Keaton uh, uh, did the voice of. I mean, that plot was basically Marge and him and nobody else. I just it makes no sense to me why on earth you would end the episode like this. Like, all you have to do is just make Lisa be the reason it stops. Say Lisa goes to talk to that general dude and says, hey, or Lisa talks to the news and says, hey, this is what the thing is happening. And then it, that's why it ends. And you can still have LT Smash go crazy and want to destroy something. It's fine. But you got to give your characters agency. They have to make important. They have to make the decisions that affect the plot. That is how that is how drama works. Like, it's not complicated. <laughs> I don't know, Robbie. It These, sure seems like it is. There are like the people who work on the show are veterans of television and and storytelling. That is how. Why on earth do I care if the general t- stops this and then LTS and the kids don't matter? The kids are just there. I, I, I it's it at that point. All it's doing is like, hey, I filled twenty minutes. Is that all we're aiming for? That's what I'm assuming these days. <sighs> okay. I, again, this is not, and I think this all my complaints that I just laid out and have been complaining about for God, forty minutes now. This episode is still better than seventy five percent of season of Scullier's episodes. Probably, it sure is. Says something right there that just because it has a semblance of a plot for two acts, because it has very entertaining songs, because NSYNC is actually really enjoyable as 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 themselves as guest stars, I th- I really enjoyed NSYNC. Um, there's good jokes in here that puts it that makes it seventy five percent better than most of the Scullier episodes, which is really saying something. But you know, just a few more episodes to go. But it's not. I I I don't. I would not call this episode good. No, I don't know if I'd call it good, but I, I wouldn't call it as bad as it could have been. <laughs> Hot take, Matt. Mm. You're a brave man, you, you know, for saying something like that. Not a lot of people would make a stand like that, record themselves to be heard by thousands of people, you know, to make just to say something so courageous. But you, you know, you stood up for yourself. Well, you know, I, I take the difficult positions. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm a, a trailblazer like that. <laughs> It's very true. Uh, we will rank this episode at the end of the show. Um, we do have a submission for my favorite episode, Matt. Okay. I was I was waiting for a gasp, but we didn't get it. So I was hoping you'd go, <gasps> but we didn't get that. Uh, Mr. Chris, I love New Kids on the Block. It's the bookend to the other New York City episode and cited in the episode when Bart goes to the offices of Mad Magazine. The Statue of Liberty, where are we? That's right, Lisa. Lieutenant LT Smash and Ralph's got the best singing voice. Amazing. Coincidentally enough, the episode re- aired the, the same night Fox aired the Lone Gunman premiere, which also predicted the horrors of 9-11 with an aircraft headed towards World Trade Center. 
Uh, this episode is a conspiracy theorist treasure trove with black bat mat with little terms I don't understand. Backmasking, exposing the Beatles with their accurate looking fake ball, pursuing the new Iraq 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 War and rocket raid on New York City. I don't know what most of those things are, but sure. Uh, thanks, guys. Best episode ever. Everyone's entitled to enjoy what they enjoy, Matt. That's true. Don't I won't yuck anybody's yums. Although, I mean, I'm not going to back down from my position. Well, no, everyone's entitled to their own opinion, even if it's wrong. Just like Tom Petty. Won't back down. Mm -hmm. Future guest star of The Simpsons. <laughs> Indeed. Um, but with that, we can't. I don't think this episode is broken either. I want to no, make that. It's far too good to actually be broken. It's not broken. I, it, it, it's, you know, my gut says no. And that's all I have anymore. That's all I got. That's all you got. That's all I got. We can move on to our next segment. It is time for Comments on the News Group. Okay, here we are. Alt.nerd.obsessive. Constant News Group is where I comb through the old alt.tv.simpsons news group, see what people are talking about the week or two after an episode debuted. Also, what they thought of the episode at the time. Any other interesting tidbits? Uh, I got some I got some reviews for you, Matt. Got some wildly different reviews for you, Matt. Well, that seems to be a trademark of the Scully years. Uh, first review. I really enjoyed this episode. I even thought NSYNC made good cameos despite the cheesiness. Consistently funny from beginning to end. Well-written songs that are terribly evocative of the bubblegum pop being put out by the Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, 98 Degrees, and all those other clones. A solid storyline, and like Tennis the Menace, a return to the successful formula of earlier seasons in which the episode starts off with a mini-plot that ends by leading into the main plot. Characterization is a little vague, but the jokes and the music more than make up for it. A+. plus. A+. Plus. Yeah, A plus. Uh huh. Next episode. Next review. Wow, what a shocker! Not only do NSYNC actually contribute to the episode, but the Simpsons are actually satirizing something. And, they, and come on, the songs are pretty damn funny. Overall, best episode of the season. Word A. So those are the positives. On to some negatives. I'm sure, it gets worse. Some negatives. The writers could have taken this opportunity to take a satirical jab at the whole manufactured band phenomenon, but that would have offended their stars and the media audience draw. NSYNC. That's that's not to say that there was no satire in this episode, but it was paper thin. That he, but even that doesn't matter too much. The real flaw in this episode was the singing itself. They should have done one of two things: used the characters' actual voices, or made the lyrics of the songs far more outlandish. As it stands, all the songs that Bart's group sang sounded like plausible boy band songs, and that's a bad thing. Combine that with the fact that this episode was almost exclusively non-funny, you got yourself a 22 minutes of wasted time. D. Well, that is quite the range. And then finally, well, I got one more. One more. I got oh. one more. There are just too many things wrong with this episode. The overall plot was good, but needed some adjusting. They practically wasted Act 1 on throwaway jokes. The whole rest of the episode was rushed. By Act 3, almost all reality had been lost. It's okay to incorporate impossibility into a story sometimes, but NSYNC's two implausible appearances, nonsensical, nonsensical ending, were just too stupid. Its major problem, however, was the total characterlessness of the characters. Homer was just there cranking out lame jokes. Lisa was evidently only upset that she could figure out the subliminal message, which took her way too long. Comic book guy wasn't funny. Skinner wasn't funny. Millhouse wasn't funny. This episode was saved from total failure by an interesting plot and a few funny moments. Thank you, NASA. Some of Ralph's lines, some of the lyrics, D+. I thought that one was pretty good. Eh, I, I find myself disagreeing with both reviews for different reasons. I don't know. That's true. Yeah, because I, I didn't really have a problem with InSync's, uh, you know, view or InSync's uh, guest starring, but uh, the rest I could probably agree with. Yeah, it's characters listeners. Is that's the Scully years? They're not interested in telling character based stories at all. Uh, um, other notes: 
Uh, Bart's quote-unquote win of the marathon was most likely inspired by Rosie Ruiz, who jumped in the field of the 1980 Boston Marathon, set her during the last mile, and was declared the winner of the women's race. She qualified for, for she qualified for Boston at the previous year's New York City Marathon when she dropped out of the race in Brooklyn and took the subway to the finish line, where she was mistakenly credited as being a finisher. Unlike Bart, or even Kent Brockman, Rosie didn't use her post-marathon notoriety for personal gain. She was convicted of forgery, grand larceny, and drug charges in 82 and 83. In the 90s, she was living a reclusive life in Florida. Bart's cheating may also have been inspired by Algerian Ab- Abs Tahami, who had his coach run the first half of the 1991 Brussels Marathon for him. The ruse was discovered when officials noticed that the runner who started the race had a mustache, and the runner who finished did not. And in Seems like a big thing to overlook there. Yeah, you might want to try and like least look semi-similar to the person you're trying to be. Final note is a note on Navy, on, uh, uh, I guess, in, in, uh, enrollment rates of the Navy. Uh, 1998 was a historic year for the U.S. Navy. It was the first time ever that they would fail to meet the year's recruiting quota. In the wake of ultra-low unemployment, affordable travel prices, and a Dow Jones that kept setting a new high every three weeks, recruiting for the regular military has been severely lacking. Strangely enough, National Guard and Reserves recruiting has been meeting their quotas. Even with the Marine Corps' very flashy CGI-intensive commercials, given all this, it's understandable why the Navy would resort to subliminal backmasking in a boy band video to boost recruitment. It's hard to get people to go into the military when they can get jobs making a lot of money. Very true. All right, Matt. We can't move on to our next segment. It's time for the listener question of the week. Let's try one more number. <gasps> Yellow. KBBL is going to give me something stupid. Well, hot dog. We have a wiener. Yellow. Our listener question of the week this week is what is your idea for the last Sideshow Bob episode? Some really uh, well thought out answers. Indeed, I'm, I'm reading some of these and I'm like, wow, that'll be a great episode. We should totally do that. Um, first impression. Sideshow Bob is released from prison, moves to Shelbyville, and becomes their call-in radio psychiatrist. <laughs> I'm listening. Get it, Matt? Because he did the other show? I do. I do. Uh, I believe you're the one that should be getting that since you're still reviewing I, those. I, for, I, uh... I, I am. I am. If anyone's interested in hearing me talk about Frasier... Uh, it's on a, um, my Serial Fanasis podcast. You can go listen to that. Uh, Sean, Bob is one of the few characters that has continued to grow and flesh out in the later seasons. We see him become a family man. We see his parents and his son. Really think as the antagonist in the in the arc, arcing storyline, he needs to find and make peace with Bart. Perhaps by Bart helping him get his own TV show or something like that. Something worthwhile. And it has to give you a wonderful, warm ending. Uh, from Andrew. The last one should be one of those flash forward episodes. Bart is middle aged with his own family and Bob is in his 80s. Bob has been catatonic for years until one day he sees his old nemesis visiting Homer in the same nursing home, snaps him out of it, and puts him in on one final mission for glory. I would totally watch that. That sounds great. Uh, from Thomas, I don't care what happens, though, to ask the showrunners to ignore a recent continuity where he's become a mutant with animal powers as a face that falls off due to a bad face-off parody episode. They made him a disappointing joke, and I think just acting like this is all a dream would be for the best. Seriously, guys, if you've had issues with Bob using Bart as a boy bomb, you're going to really hate what they do with him in, season, in, 10, through 15, in 10 to 15 seasons. That's true. I totally forgot about the episode where he's genetically spliced. I mean, ugh, come on. I don't mind the boy bomb thing. I mind how they ultimately doesn't make whatever. Uh, you can listen yeah. to last week's episode if you really want. Uh, Lauren. Remember the cat burglar Malloy? He comes across Bob and takes him under his wing. Bob speaks about kidnapping and murdering Bart, but Malloy tells him that he has to let it go in order to be successful. Springfield police are inept, but if he kidnaps and murders a child, they won't give up until he's in jail. 
Bob tells Molly that he will give it up for now. Once Bob is done training, he starts breaking into homes and successfully steals from the rich. After the last hit, Bob, knowing he has enough to live with his family comfortably for the rest of his days, he's walking by the Simpsons' house and ends up in Bart's room. He tells Bart goodbye, is safe from him, and that he's leaving Springfield. He sings, now it's time to say goodbye, which he sings briefly in the first episode he's in, I believe. Gives Bart a hug and disappears. Quimby holds a town meeting about the burglaries, and Bart smiles to himself. Lisa looks at him and says, Bart, we can solve this if we work together. Bart looks at her and says, I think we let this one go, Lisa. Then he leans over and whispers something to her. She smiles. The episode ends with Lisa and Bart smiling as they let Bob get away. From David. I would have someone I would have someone trying to kill or frame Bob. He turns to Bart for help to figure out who it is, and they solve it together. Then Wiggum, because he's Wiggum, locks up Bob and his whole family, thinking they were the criminals. Uh, from I mean, that's basically brother from another series, really. It, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's certain, you can only do so many crime themed things, uh, you know, repeating yourself a little bit. Uh, Sarah, future future Mrs. Reznor, taking a dark turn in my answer, he finally kills Bart on the lighter ish side. Bob becomes a subject of a Netflix documentary series about his botched attempts at crime, becomes more famous and beloved than ever. Oh, uh, I like that one. From Nicolino at The Nicolino. I don't know, but it should end with Bob being fired from a cannon into a mountain of rakes. <laughs> it made me laugh a very it made me laugh very hard when I first read that. Uh Casey at Casey Masterpiece. A much more thorough Twin Peaks parody with Bob as Bob, Lisa as Laura, and Wiggum as Cooper. How can this work without Lisa being murders? Great writers. Oh wait. Burn. Mm-hmm. And finally, okay, I guess this is the longest answer we've ever gotten for a listener question. So buckle up. But I, I, it's very, I like it a lot. So I'm going to read the entire thing. Oh my goodness. All right. I'll get a nap, guys. You have no idea how long this strap, strap yourself in. First, it's from Zach. I was thrilled to hear your latest listener question of the week. Bob is my favorite character in the show. Well, Golden Bob years. Golden years Bob is. I've long, I've long wondered what his last episode will be. Such I've already conceived of my own final episode. Since it's quite long of a description, I thought I would email it. So comment on Facebook. Uh, shame it's too long to read on air. Nope. I'm reading it anyway. Here we go. The title episode is The Norwood Bob, and the plot was adapted for Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's Sherlock Holmes story, The Norwood Builder. Uh, The episode opens with Bob sitting at a fancy restaurant table, the Gilded Truffle perhaps, with his family. They're celebrating the six-month anniversary of Bob's latest release from jail. His wife salutes him for a clean six months and pure devotion to his family. At this salute, Bob makes some quip about hatred for Bart Simpson. Shocked and angered, his wife loudly exclaims that Bob has not changed one bit, she cannot live with him like this. She picks up the child and leaves, saying that she's leaving him and going back to Italy. Some time later, the Simpsons' doorbell rings. Homer answers the door, and Bob is standing outside. Bob asks if Bart is home. Homer says, I'll check, and goes to get Bart oblivious of who Bob is, because it's Homer. Bart is initially alarmed by Bob's appearance, but Bob explains why he's there. He recounts how his family left him, which caused him to realize that he could never truly move on with his life until he had forgiven Bart, giving him closure. Bob introduces a lawyer presents some papers which he explains are Bob's will. With no family left with him, Bob says that he'll have no one to inherit his estate whenever he passes away. He decided that the best way to, give for, to forgive Bart was to give him everything. Bart, initially undecided, looks at Marge for advice. Marge gives him the mom's file, and, and reassured, Bart signs the will. Bob breathes a sigh of relief and thanks Bart for accepting his apology. He then leaves, never to quote-unquote bother the Simpsons again. Lisa remains suspicious extremely suspicious later that day bart can't find his skateboard which he left lying in the lawn but thinks nothing of it the next morning bart is woken up by lisa running into his room telling him to get dressed 
She gives him the news. Overnight, Bob's house burned down and the police discovered a burned skeleton wearing Bob's clothes in the wreckage, along with tufts of Bob's hair. They also found Bart's skateboard on the sidewalk covered in blood. Bart, having signed Bob's will and having a clear revenge motive for killing Bob, is the prime suspect. Killing Bob by attacking him with his skateboard while he slept, then burning down the house to hide the evidence. The house burnt down entirely as the fire department was having their annual retreat at Rancho Relaxo. The police arrive at the Simpsons' house, but Bart escapes by hiding on the roof. It's now time for one last attempt for Bart and Lisa to foil Sideshow Bob, who they feel is behind this somehow. Bart and Lisa, in disguise, visit the scene of the crime. They tell the police on duty that the large lad is giving away free donuts, or something, to get them to leave, and the police ditch the crime scene, allowing Bart and Lisa to look through the wreckage. Everything does seem to point to Bart being the killer, and Lisa is now even suspecting that maybe Bart did sneak out during the night and burn down the house. Then she sees the tufts of hair. This one clue causes her to realize that there is there is something nefarious going on. Police come back, and Bart have to escape out. Bart and Lisa have to escape out the back of the property, but not before Lisa sees a charred piece of paper beside the hair and grabs it. Walking away from the house, Lisa notices that the street borders a farm. As they walk by, the farmer yells at them to stay back. He seems extremely upset over something. Lisa asks what's going on. Apparently, last night someone snuck under the property and beat up one of his sheep. Nothing was stolen, but he's afraid they might come back for something worse. Lisa makes another connection and tells Bart she's heading to the bank. Bart thinks the bank to be boring, so he decides not to join her. He keeps walking. Bart comes across the cemetery where he finds Bob's funeral service. He wanders closer to observe, but notices one of the nearby graves is freshly buried. Who's this, he wonders, and looks at the tombstone. He reads that the occupant died in 1975. Why, then, was it freshly buried? As he wonders, his eyes drift back down the road to Bob's house. Suddenly, he realizes the connection and runs off to the bank to find Lisa. He meets Lisa coming out of the bank. He tells her that, the Bob, that Bob must have dug up the body, reburied the coffin, put the body in his clothes, and set the building on fire. The body everyone thought was Bob's must have been from the cemetery, Lisa says. Of course, the last missing piece. Come on, let's go to the police station. We've got to hurry. They arrive at the police station and tell Chief Wiggum that they know Bob is still alive, and he framed Bart for the crime. Lisa explains it all to Wiggum. Bob dug up the body and dressed in his clothes, then went out to the farm he saw en route to the cemetery, and used Bart's skateboard to attack the sheep. The blood on the skateboard would be assumed Bob's, and he left on the sidewalk to be found later as he set the house on fire, then ran. Bob must have realized later that night that he would certainly be recognized by his hair, so he cut it all off. Still, under the cover of darkness, he ran back to the house, now just smoldering ruins due to the lack of firemen on duty, a carefully timed decision by Bob. He lay some of his hair in the wreckage to further incriminate Bart. If he hadn't have done this, and Lisa might never have clued into the scheme. There had to have been placed there after the fire, else it would have been burned up. Bart asked about the paper in her hand. It was the one she grabbed from the wreckage. It was a note from Bob's wife, saying that the fake breakup worked perfectly. Enough people that witnessed it for sure had to be remembered, and that she was looking forward to him coming home to Italy. Lastly, at the bank, she went to a teller and asked if she could see Bob's bank account, and her request was granted in much the same way as the poll results in Sideshow Bob Roberts. Eh, sure. It turns out that Bob had been making large payments to someone named Cornelius Nor Norwood over the past six months. In fact, his bank account was practically empty. With the house burnt, and the account empty, Bart had stood to inherit nothing even if he wasn't convicted. What better plan to escape at Springfield and frame Bart for his murder while doing it? Lisa suspects that Cornelius Nor Norwood is simply a fake identity. Bob used to retain all his money, and Mr. Norwood is probably going to fly away to Italy this very day. Wigan, Bart, and Lisa rush to the airport and ask the security if they've seen Bob. They show security a photo of Bob, the security shake their head, but when Lisa covers up Bob's hair, they nod. 
Cornelius Norton was set to board a flight to Italy in moments. They rush towards the gate, but it is too late. The flight has boarded and is about to leave. They look out the window at the plane. Bob is in one of the windows looking back. He smiles and waves. Wiggum says he'll contact the Italian government, have them capture Bob at the airport. Lisa says not to. She concludes that being free in Italy will probably keep Bob away permanently, whereas the Springfield prison system can't seem to keep him for more than a year. They all agree and leave the airport, knowing they are finally safe from Sideshow Bob. Some days later, in a small town in Italy, we see Bob and his family at a quaint house patio having dinner. Bob looks out towards the setting sun over the rolling hills, closes his eyes, and calmly smiles. A deep peace washes over him, and he knows he is free from Bart forever. Thank you, Zach, for that answer. Indeed, that is a fantastic uh, retelling. That's very good. And well written as well, which is mainly why I chose to read it, because it was... Uh well laid out and clearly explained and i don't know if they'd be able to fit that in 20 minutes but i think it's a it's a (laughs) that's the next movie right there yeah or two-parter i mean if you're doing a final season you're doing a final bob episode you do two-parter with bob i think bob deserves a two-parter or a send-off matt what's your answer no pressure so i was uh, (laughs) a yeah i wish i could give my answer before this uh but i was actually uh thinking along the lines of a frank grimes-ish end for bob uh not quite as bad though uh in that bob uh once again uh comes back and tries to you know uh take bart out essentially uh but other people in springfield keep getting in his way and to the point where he realizes that he has to destroy everyone and he can't do that all at once because obviously that would be too difficult for him uh so he decides to do it very slowly and he basically works out a plan to very slowly take the town down uh, piece by piece. Uh, and Lisa and Bart, uh, you know, obviously do their best to stop him. However, they realize that his plan will take about 40 years. And at that point, he'll probably be dead. So they just let him go. <laughs> and then Bob becomes a regular uh, character on the show. I think my mind is not set in stone, but I think I want I want to return to murderous Bob for his final appearance. All right. I want him to, I want him to try and kill Bart again. I don't want him to succeed. I do want him to do his darndest. And I think I also, but I also want a happy ending for, for Bob in this weird sort of way. Like a lot of people have included in their answers. They always have like, they have Bob like happy at the end, which is weird because he's a villain, but because we all like him as a villain so much, we want him actually have a happy ending. So I think we start the episode starts with Bob in prison for whatever reason. And there's a new podcast, a serial parody that has exonerated Bob, or at least put enough doubt in whatever case he currently has against him. And it gets him released. And he's, he's, he's taking this opportunity to try and go back to the ground. So he knows now that he can truly kill Bart. He thinks he knows he knows he's examined his failures in the past and he knows why he's failed each and every time. And maybe you even recap that, you know, you have a very short montage of him going, I was, I failed this for this reason, this reason, this reason, this reason. Now I'm going to get it done. No one's going to catch me. And then we, and we follow him along. And I think at the end of act two, he succeeds. We think we see him kill Bart and then he escapes and then jump back to Springfield and we and it shows that Bart faked. At, he knew that Bob was going to try and kill him. The whole family did. I would assume it's a Lisa thing. Lisa knows that obviously Bob's going to try again, and Lisa and him, and Bart together help. And they let Bob think that he's killed Bart, and the whole town does it. Much along, there's a lot of uh, there's multiple answers here where they go. Well, 
Bob is it's Springfield is safer with Bob gone and thinking he's succeeded. So they do everything in their power to convince Bob that they, he's succeeded. Barty's dead. They have a funeral. They have a, a fake newspaper stories, the everything. And then Bob leaves and it's revealed that Bart is fine and everyone is happy. And, and Bob's happy with Bart dead. But then maybe and maybe at the very end of the episode where Bob, wherever he's living, it could be Italy with his family or wherever with his, he could be with back with his family if they want, if we want, they have a, we have like the hint of another little boy wronging him. Oh, that'd be good. Maybe even uh, Lester. <laughs> oh man. That's right. Lester turns Bob in for like jaywalking or littering or something. Yeah, wherever it is, new home or whatever it is, or it could just be a Bart lookalike that's Italian, like they do that all the time, or wherever wherever they are. Uh, that's that's my idea. Uh, next week's question: like. What is your favorite band guest star? The band appearing, the entire band appearing, not just one or two of them or a lead singer or whatever. Um, so Cypress Hill, Smashing Pumpkins, okay, Peter Frampton, no, because it's just Peter Frampton. Yeah, Peter Frampton doesn't count. He's just a dude. No Tom Petty, because there's no Heartbreakers. No Lenny Kravitz, no Mick Jagger, none of the Beatles. So they all appeared by themselves. Red Hot Chili Peppers, yes, yes. Aerosmith, yes. There's other ones, I'm sure. Those are the ones off the top of my head. I'll post this question on the social media: Facebook.com/slash The Simpsons Show Pod, Twitter at Simpsons Show Pod, and you can email us at Simpsons Show Pod at gmail.com. Uh, follow us, like us, do all the social media things. We appreciate it. Uh, on to our next segment, Matt. It's time for the No Google Trivia Challenge. I am the smart. I am too smart. S-M-R-T. I mean, S-M-A-R-R-T. The no-go trivia challenge is for Matt and I each try and challenge each other with three trivia questions. One easy, one medium, one hard. Try and stump the other. I have a, I am behind by four points so far in this season. I, have to, I just, I just have to do my best, man. I can do it, right? I believe in you. I don't, I don't believe that. Uh, are you ready for an easy question? I suppose. These are all from Camp Krusty. Ooh, classic. All right. What grades do the kids need to get to go to Camp Krusty? Uh, I believe it is a C average. That is correct. You know, boy, a D turns into a B so easily. You just got greedy. You don't, you don't, you don't, uh, what, you don't see a lot in me, do you? You don't think a lot of me, do you? No, sir. <laughs> What's my easy question, Matt? All right, your easy question for today, and all of your questions are from Lost Hour Lisa. What form of transportation does Lisa ride alone? That'd be the bus. You are correct. Don't make me tap the sign. Exactly. Your medium question, Matt. What kind of cookies does Marge mail the kids at camp? Cookies, cookies, cookies. Um, okay. Remember there are jelly beans in them. Um, God, jelly bean. <sighs> jelly bean. And I've got something else in them that was a really strange... I got nothing. You just had an answer, man. You're going to say it? Okay. Uh, they're uh, jelly bean chocolate chip. I don't... I'm, the answer, Matt, is jelly bean cookies. There's nothing, oh, else, is, there's nothing crap, else there. Really? There's nothing else. It's just jelly bean cookies. Okay. Well, I, I got it wrong. I'll give you a point. Okay. You weren't mm, Jeopardy correct. Bean, that sounds I, good. Ah, I, I don't know about... I would try them. Depends. How, I mean, the problem is like okay, a chocolate chip. They are a ch- every chocolate chip is roughly the same. Yeah. Every jelly bean is not the same. There's some that are way better than others. 
including the best jelly beans ever, Starburst jelly beans. There's really does not need to be any other I, jelly beans. No, I know, but I mean, like, in, even in then, you have like all the different colors that taste differently from each other. They do, but Starburst jelly beans are very like. If you have a regular batch of jelly beans, there's a lot of variation in flavor. Starburst, they're all just mostly sour and a little bit of sweet. I don't want sour in my cookies. <sighs> then welcome to Wrongville. <laughs> Give me a medium question. All right, your medium question. What is the name of the bus driver that oh, Lisa annoys? He has a name? Yeah. Remember Lisa, Lisa tries to talk to him. She's like, oh, well, on the school bus, wait. And he taps the sign. Uh, Neil. <laughs> Sorry, Robbie. It is Larry. I had a, I mean, there's only so many names on Earth. Yeah. Your hard question, Matt. What day is it when the episode begins? I mean, we're looking at a day of the week or are we looking? A date. A date. Yeah, there's 365, oh, true. This one 365 days uh, of the year. Which one is it? Okay. It's going to be a wild guess. I'm going to go with June 6th. It is June, but it is June 12th. 12th. Oh, it's off by six days. The last day of school, June 12th. Yeah. It's so funny because by the time I was in high school, we got a, uh, our last day of school was like May 15th. <laughs> yeah, I've never gotten out of school in June. May is, it's yeah. always been May. Um, What's my hard question, man? All right, your hard question. What are the stops? That the 22A makes. Uh, there are seven of them. Uh, I will only require four from you. End of the line. Okay, there's eight if you include that one. It's a stop, isn't it? It says end of the line, you stop. Uh, I, I want to say Fort Springfield, or not, or, or I think it's Fort Springfield. They stop in a military base or something. Uh, Fort Spring, like a sewage processing plant. Um, some like farm or something like that, like a chicken, like a chicken farm of some sort. I don't know, Matt. I you're <laughs> asking impossible questions. That's true. Do you give up? Yeah, I'm done. I have no other answers. Okay, none of those were correct except for uh, end of the line. Oh, good. That's good uh, to know. I, I don't know if you count that as a, either way. I'll give it to you. Uh, but it's Sycamore Avenue, Little Newark, Crackton, Industrial Access Road, Airport Refueling Way, Rural Route Nine. Army Proving Ground, and finally, end of the line. Army Proving Ground is the one I was trying to think of. Yeah. I, I For some reason, when I uh, thought up this question, I was thinking of Cattle Skull Testing Grounds, but that's in the uh, Homer Alone episode. I don't... You're, I can't... I got one. It's the easiest one, the one you didn't even think to include. So that tells you what I know. <laughs> um, that's not good. Matt has increased his lead on me. I'm not a big fan of that. By one point. Come on now. Now it's up to five, and then we only have like seven or eight episodes to go. I don't oh, that, really far, that's, I can't do that. I'm not I'm not good, Matt. I'm bad. Um but I'll do it for trivia this week. I I, I do have some bonus questions, but we're gonna we'll we'll save them for next time. We can move on to our final segment. The segment we end every single episode with is time for best episode ever. Best episode ever. Best episode ever is the part of the show where Matt and I rank the episodes categorically, watch them chronologically, eventually a piling list of the best episode ever. So, is it better? I okay. Is it better than Day of the Jack and Apes, our last episode? Hmm. I don't think so. Uh, mainly because Day of the Jack and Apes was not a great episode, but at least it had somewhat of a purpose. I don't feel like this does. I feel this is meanders. A lot. And that episode does too, but not to the degree that this one does. I think they're very similar. 
Oh, they are. I, like I said, I, I just like, think this, I, I think is this is this. There, we have like a little. We have a little. We have Day of the Jack and Apes. Then we have Pokemon and Lisa the Tree Hugger, which are all very much and EIEI Annoy Grunt. All of these are like semi the semi competent Scully Year episodes where they hang together mostly, not entirely, but mostly. And, you know, they're watchable. They're okay. And it's, there's a lot of them now. There's four here. And I think this is another one. I just, in the, like, I don't think this is better than Bart the General, which is the episode that none of these episodes managed to get over. Right. And I don't think this is better than that. No, no, I, I don't think so. Um, I mean, looking at all of those, I would probably put it between Pokemon and least the Tree Hugger, but eh. I think this is better than Pokemon. I think it's better than Pokemon, not as good as they... Yes, I think Pokemon, this this area, it's another kind of like that meandering territory where like there's some really, there's some positives here and some things I really enjoy. And then it's just the, the I think this hangs together a little bit better than Pokemon does. And, you know, makes just about as much sense at the end of the day. I think this is funnier than Pokemon. I think the songs are better. It definitely is funnier than playing. And the songs, you're right. I forgot about the songs. The songs are really elevated. The songs are, are better. Um, so that puts new kids. What? You're bad at spreadsheets. Hold on a second. Why can't just let me do my thing? Okay. You don't have to All handle right, this. New kids on the black is new number 195 on the list. Right below day of the Jack and Apes. Right above Pokemon. Number one on the list is still Homer's enemy. Last on the list. Let me just scroll all the way down. Is Kill the Alligator Run at number 246. To number 47 now, excuse me. New number 247. Our next episode, Matt. Hungry, Hungry Homer. Oh, okay. I actually have fairly fond memories of this, so the, the, we'll the, see if it the, holds up. The Hunger Strike episode. I mean, after that, we've got Bye Bye Nerdy and Simpsons Safari, so let's hope it's good. It's just insane to me that run it, we have Simpson Safari and then it's Trilogy of Error and then I'm going to Praise Land. You get Trilogy of Error sandwiched between two terrible episodes. Um, I don't even remember what by 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 nerdy is. Uh, it's the one where Lisa gets a bully and she's defeated oh, by. Oh no! The no! Yeah. Oh no! I forgot that and then remembered it all of a sudden. Oh, that's very bad episode very very bad episode. okay but uh let's we don't worry about that yet hungry hunger homer is next week i also have fond memories of it we'll see how it goes watch along with us you can find this list on our website it's the simpsonshow.com links to everything there facebook or twitter our rss feed a link to our patreon if you want to help us out throw us a couple dollars we'd really appreciate it um, we also get a stunning amount of bonus bonus content yes lots of recorded lots of us talking about many simpsons and vaguely simpsons related things um but that'll do it for us today. Uh, before we go, you can find me online on uh, uh, everything I do. is at RobbieDorman.com, including a link to my debut horror novel, Conquest, where you can you can go you can buy it if you are a fan of horror. Uh, you and I would encourage you to check it out. You probably already heard an ad for it a bunch of times this month, but if you expect me to not to talk about it, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a really good book. You should go read it. Matt does not participate in social media unless a certain level of Patreon backer you will not find him. Uh, that's true. However, uh, because Robbie has recently released his book, I have decided that I'm going to read it. So if you want to get me a message, you have to go back in time and somehow uh, subtly insert the message into Robbie's book. So sorry, guys. Good luck with that. Uh, if you managed to make it in there, congratulations. 
you've invented time travel. Uh, do you have any how many revisions happened that <laughs> there's oh I don't even <laughs> barely recognize it from what it was. <laughs> uh, if they managed to get it through, that is quite an achievement. Exactly. I'm Robbie. And I'm Matt. And keep watching the Simpsons. Shh.